Hello and welcome to The Strad Podcast. I'm Davina Shum, I'm a cellist and I'm the online editor at The Strad. Yoga, what a wonderful thing. Menuhin was a fan, so you know it's got to be good, but you don't have to take his word for it. The principles of yoga are so easily transferred to string playing and vice versa. Concepts such as thinking about one's breath, mindfulness, discipline and being kind to oneself. Violinist Melissa White is a trained yogi and co-founder of Intermission, a program that unites body, mind, breath and music making with yoga and meditation. She spoke to me just before she embarked on working at the Heifetz Institute as the yoga instructor, and we had a chat about her journey into discovering yoga, the role of the breath in string playing, as well as her favorite exercises and approaches in incorporating yoga with her music making. Here's Melissa. This is perfect because I'm working at the Heifetz Institute for the next two weeks, and here I'm known as the yoga teacher. So even though for 50 weeks of the year I'm purely a violinist and people know I do intermission, which involves yoga, when I come here for two weeks, I'm the yoga instructor and I love it. I work with all of the students here. They have to take an hour of a communications class. And so when I'm here, then hour is yoga. But a few years, maybe one year into me being the yoga instructor, the faculty who know me as a violinist realized the students didn't know that I'm actually a professional violinist. And they thought that it would be really meaningful for the students to hear me play. So the next year, they asked if I would play on one of the faculty recitals, which I completely did. And the students were blown away. And they were like, wow, you really play the violin. And in my head, I'm like, (laughs) I told you this in the first day of class. But you know how kids are, unless they see it, until they see it, it has a different perspective in their heads. So since then, every year I do perform on the faculty recital, which is tomorrow. So I'll be playing. Yeah. And it's kind of impressive for them to see that, isn't it? One doesn't just have a a one-track career. It's very multifaceted. Melissa, thanks so much for being here. So a lot of people know you as a violinist. And as you've told me just before, 50 weeks of the year, you are a violinist and you have an incredibly multifaceted career as a violinist. Uh, So I know that you recently enjoyed your Carnegie Hall recital debut in June. But you know, you're also a laureate of the Sphinx competition, uh, founder of the Harlem Quartet, your teacher at NYU Steinhardt and University of Buffalo. You're a performer, a recording artist. But as well as that, hope that wasn't too awkward for you to hear all that. (laughs) (laughs) As well as that, you're also a trained yogi, a yoga practitioner and teacher, which is really important, I think, for a lot of string players to have this awareness of mind, body and breath, how they can incorporate that into their string playing. I'm a cellist. I've definitely found benefits of practicing yoga alongside my cello practice. Mm -hmm. Tell me, how did you come across yoga? Everyone's path into yoga is different. Has it always been alongside your music making or something that you came across first or after? (laughs) Well, sure. First, I just want to say thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, a pleasure to be speaking with you about many of my passions. So I, I love this. I found my way to yoga during my master's degree. I was studying at the New England Conservatory of Music in Boston with Donald Weilerstein. He's a fantastic teacher. I loved him. Still do love him. But one of my lessons, he asked if I did any yoga. And at the time, my answer was no, because I hadn't. So I had dabbled and I had a couple friends who were taking classes and they would want to, quote unquote, try things out. Could I 
talk you through a down dog or a cat or a cow. And so um, I would try some poses, but afterward I would wonder if I had done anything and if I had done it correctly. Is this the shape of a dog? Did I make a cow? Uh, I didn't collapse, so I guess I'm breathing, right? We're winning, hashtag winning. And so when my teacher, Donald Weatherstein, asked, and I let him know that I didn't have any yoga experience, he explained to me that he thought it could be helpful for me to feel in my body a little bit more what was happening through my hands and into my music making. And so speaking with some friends, I had a friend there at school who was doing a specific type of yoga, hot yoga, and it was a set sequence, 26 postures and two breathing exercises. So I go with her to this class and I absolutely loved it. I loved that the room was so hot that you were just drenched in sweat. It felt like I had worked out. That was my other thing with yoga. I didn't know if I was working out or just stretching. Um, So this one felt like I really had worked out. The set sequence were postures that were accessible to beginners. So it wasn't this, you know, some people think of yoga as being a pretzel exercise. Yeah. Nothing felt so out of whack that I I didn't know where my arm was supposed to reach to my leg behind my head. None of that. And you also got to do everything twice. And so the first time I would try a posture, I would just, you know, learn how to do it. And the second time I could actually sort of start to feel things working together in my body. And then the teacher would always talk about, you know, at which step we should be breathing. And there was a mirror in front of everyone in the classroom, full wall of mirrors. And so what my takeaway was from that first class is that staring at yourself in a mirror for 90 minutes, drenched in sweat, listening to someone call out different instructions to you to use your body through to move with is a powerful place to learn about yourself and actually a lovely place to fall deeper in love with yourself. And I enjoyed it so much that I went back with her and then I just kept going. And so that was my entry point into yoga. I also enjoyed that there were no downward facing dogs. So as a violinist, I really want to take care of my wrists, my hands, my arms, all of all of my body, right? And I found that when I would do downward facing dog, a lot of pressure dumped into my wrists. And afterwards, I would feel fatigued in my wrists. And then I would have to wait a while before I could comfortably play the violin again. And I didn't feel like I had time for that. If my, my violin career isn't the main thing that I do. I love being a yogi, but violin is paramount. And so after this class, I was excited there was a yoga I could do without downward facing dog. So I did keep going. And then fast forward many years later, I met up with my dear friend Elena in New York and we discussed what we had been up to since our undergrad experience together at Curtis. And parallel lives had been happening and we had both come to find this hot yoga experience and we loved it. So we started going together. We became roommates in New York 2014 and we started talking over our dinner table about how nice it would have been as a teenager when we were spending eight, nine hours at summer camp playing and practicing. If someone had been helping us think about our body and about wellness and about how mind over matter, we actually can start to practice more accurately and more efficiently if we're focused versus just going at something a hundred times over, hoping the next time is going to be right. And so together we brainstormed this idea, came up with Intermission, which is our program that works to unite music, movement, and mindfulness. 
And so here we are, a very long-winded <laughs> response. I apologize. But that's how I made my way to yoga. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think that in discovering yoga, you discover certain principles that you can apply to music making. I'm just thinking about how you said when you first started and you'd do a pose and you weren't sure if you were doing it right. Mm -hmm. And I think what you learn with yoga is that you learn to really listen to yourself. And and that's when I think about, you know, you standing in front of a mirror, drenched in sweat, learning about yourself, thinking about, okay, what do I need to do? It's that kind of mind over matter thing Mm -hmm. that as string players, we can definitely implement in our playing, in our practice. And there is a tendency to get really bogged down in the music, the technicalities of things, with good reason, because what we do is really, really hard. But of course, having that mindset to think, okay, how aware am I of my movements and what can I do to be in control of these sorts of things? I want to talk a little bit about breathing, which you mentioned a little bit before. I think the parallel between breathing and Bowing is used a lot in string playing. Mm-hmm. You know, our bow is our breath. In the way that singers, wind players, brass players, they have to breathe in before they play, and then obviously when they make the note, they breathe out. Yeah. Now, as string players, I think maybe we forget <laughs> about breathing. <Yes. laughs> and I mean, I've definitely seen string players who are chewing gum or eating while they're playing and you know we're quite lucky we can just kind of not really it's think true. about that but yeah. it is it is important to be thinking about breathing and how that can benefit our playing um, and our setup tell me a little bit about how you incorporate breathing in your music making sure so at first what's been most beneficial is starting to feel the subtleties of what breath does to our bodies and starting to feel like when we inhale it can come from a deeper place in our body versus just taking a deep inhale everyone could try it with me now feeling your shoulders go up and as you exhale feeling your shoulders go down now that is wonderful and i am a fan of that too because we need to release tension in our shoulders but when we're playing especially as violin as viol as we're using our upper body it's important that we can feel our diaphragm breathing so starting to feel the breath expand our lower body and when i'm working with students i actually have them bring their hands to their bellies and see if as they inhale they can feel their bellies puff out in front of them and as they exhale feel their navel contract back in toward their spine and then we bring our hands around our rib cage take an inhale again start to feel the inhale expand the ribs to either side of your body and then as you exhale start to feel the rib cage contract back in And then finally, bringing both hands over your chest and imagining you have a pair of hands on your upper back. And so with your inhale here, see if you can picture or feel your chest expand with air as you inhale. And then as you exhale, keeping those shoulders soft, can you feel the chest just slowly start to come back in, even if it's subtle, right? And so then we put those three points together. So as you inhale, first let the breath fill the belly, fill the ribs, fill the chest. And then as you exhale, see if you can elongate the exhale and the air goes through your chest, through the ribs and through the belly. And so practicing that without the instrument allows for more space for the breath to move. And so then what I like to do is have my students on an inhale, bring their arms up and on an exhale, bring their arms to the position they would take for their instrument. So before we even bring the instrument in, we're miming. And 
without the contraption of whatever it is that you play or you do, you can still keep the breath hopefully as your focus with your arms set up and what will eventually be what we're going to be doing. And then I invite them to start to move the bow with their breath. And the idea is that without hearing a sound, then maybe it's a little bit more, quote unquote, okay for the bow to move with the breath because we're not caught up in how it's sounding and everything that happens once our instrument comes in. So basically, I feel like it's a nice practice away from the instrument to start to feel what the breath does to the body, start to feel how we can connect our arms and our hands to the breath that's happening in our body. And then bringing the instrument in, starting to play just open strings and before we even start to play, letting our breath guide us, so taking a breath without moving first, and then moving on an inhale, any direction, and on an exhale, just letting the bow be the sound of the exhale. Yeah. That is so key, isn't it? I mean, if you think about doing chamber music with wind players especially and you just see how much they guide with mm-hmm. their inhale and yes. you can really coincide that start of a new bow with when they articulate a particular note it's true yeah it's really important isn't it and then do you find that your students are more free you know after they've done these sorts of exercises hopefully hopefully once all of the notes come back into play and we're, we're wrapped up in all of the music making i often see at early stages that then we've we've lost our breath again and we're just going into the notes <laughs> and so then what i'd like to talk about is how the breath can actually guide the phrase as string players i know oftentimes our teachers and instructors will say sing it and how you would sing it is the most natural way and we would like to emulate that when we play it and so getting them to realize that the phrase is actually also guided by the breath and that if we're breathing as performers it helps the entire room take on a different shape and that's something they also feel when we're doing the breathing exercise that you start to feel like you move as a unit or that you have a little bit more um it's not control, but flexibility with what's happening in, in the room. And that's what we want with our audience members. We want to invite them to breathe. <laughs> Even if the music yeah. is asking for, you know, anxiousness, it's important that with that, we're still all breathing together through the experience. Yes, it's a collective thing, isn't it? Because when you're performing, um, you're performing to share with your audience, yes. hopefully. Yes. People can tell when a performer is breathing when they have that freedom. I can just think of one example from when I was studying um, years ago in Sydney, Mm. and there was a cello student who was performing the first movement of Haydn D, cello concerto. Mm -hmm. Very difficult beginning. It's often likened to walking on a tightrope. It's very, very difficult. But I do remember watching him, and he was sitting there during the piano introduction, the orchestral tutti, just kind of listening to the music. And then when it came up to his entrance, he breathed in, he did this almighty breath in, shoulders up to his ears. The whole audience, the rest of the class, we breathed with him. And then he never breathed out. (laughs) And so (laughs) I, I just remember that was a bit of a light bulb moment for me where I just thought, surely the beginning of that concerto is going to be a lot easier if you exhale. Because after that, everyone watching and he got comments about this afterwards everyone watching was just thinking we were nervous for you because we could feel that tension and you looked tense as well so therefore we were too it's very true uh and the other thing is i so i do tell students you can exhale before you even start playing 
and then you can start in an in-house. So before prior and while we were speaking, you're talking about, you know, does it have to be an XL? Does it need to be an, an inhale? I'd like to practice both ways. So in my daily routine, when I do my skills to begin, my skills are breath driven at first. And some days I start on an inhale, some days I start on an exhale, some days two notes are per breath, three notes per breath. So I really just like to feel things out and sort of find the practice of being able to breathe while I play. And it's important to be flexible isn't it? So it's not prescribed. Yes. Like I must do it this way. Exactly. You know, going back to the beginning of your yoga practice when you were thinking, oh, am I doing this in the correct way? And it's the same when, when you're listening to music. There's not, often not a right or wrong way of listening to music. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all open for interpretation. But, you know, we're guided by certain principles and then we sort of have to find our own way from there. Yeah. I want to ask about your pre-concert rituals, how yoga plays a part in that because as we mentioned before you had your Carnegie Hall recital debut yes. no pressure I'm sure <laughs> exactly <laughs> for high pressure performance situations I'm sure that people can find a way to utilize yoga principles before going on stage so for you how do you use yoga in those particular situations do you have any certain uh, exercises or stretches that you like to implement before you go on stage sure yes I do but another important thing yoga has has taught me is how powerful rest is so now I use that and on concert days I carve out time for a nap and even if I don't go to sleep and it's not some luxurious nap for like two hours. I don't have, I don't have that much time, but, um, I make sure, <laughs> I make sure to rest my brain because what we do requires an immense amount of focus and what we take on throughout the day fatigues our brains, it fatigues our eyes and being able to turn on our focus come 8 PM or whatever the concert time may be, we're, we're not working with our most sharp brain. And so I like to give myself a rest at some point. It can just be 20 minutes even where I make sure I don't look at my phone. I try to have sort of a more dim space where I can rest my eyes, rest my brain and and really pause. So that's been a huge help. The other thing is from the start of my day, I think about what I'm saying to myself in my head because that's also very important as performers. We live in our headspace all the time. And when we go on stage, it's almost like we're our most judgmental critic. And in that moment, it's important that we're our most loving friend. And so from the beginning of the day, I like to think about concerts I've been to or artists I see and the joy that it brings me, how fun it is and what feeling I would like to have in this space with my music making when I'm on stage. So I think about that. And then, yes, I do actually do some physical stretches. So I always make sure to warm up my fingers before I start playing. Even my practice session, I have an individual finger exercise I enjoy. And just so people know, we do have YouTube videos, intermission sessions. We have YouTube videos up of our favorite exercises and stretches that we enjoy doing. So the finger exercises there, it's just going through and stretching your fingers the opposite direction that we use them. So we usually place them down. If we're typing, if we're playing, Mm -hmm. the fingers go down. So extending the fingers out and then stretching them from underneath to get an elongation underneath the arm, I think is a nice opening. So I do that. I also like to do wrist rolls and I like to do neck elongation. So one of my favorites is taking my right arm behind my back 
taking my left palm to my right, and then letting your shoulders rest down first. That can already be a stretch. And then letting the right ear drop toward the right shoulder. So you start to get an elongation on the left side of the neck. And I love that very much. And then you can choose if you want to let your chin drop to your chest. Or you maybe might enjoy letting your chin come up toward the ceiling while your right ear is still falling toward the right shoulder. And then to come out so gently, let your head come back to center first. And then release the left hand. Bring that right hand from behind you slowly and do the opposite side. So we always think about balancing as well. What we do on one side, we try to do on the other side. Even if it feels differently, at least let the other side have that experience. I mean, especially as a violinist or violist, it's very asymmetrical Yes. what you do. Yes. And, you know, neck exercises, I imagine, are very, very important. I feel like as, as a cellist, I think a lot about my shoulders, but I think a lot about my torso and the way I sit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got certain lower back exercises that I like to implement. Just because I'm, I'm sitting all the time, I'm sitting yes. right now working at the Strad. But also, you know, when I'm playing, I'm also sitting down so I don't have that opportunity to stand up. So I think sometimes it's quite important for me to think about standing up once in a while, walking exercising some long distance vision (laughs) yes for me that's me just listening to myself (laughs) yes no it's very true and that's the other thing once you start to make time to listen to your body you start to notice what would feel nice and honestly our bodies are our best teachers so what your body is letting you know it needs is is exactly what you need yeah that's so true isn't it we've got to listen to our bodies don't we rather than thinking about oh I'll do this and is it right? Just listen to yourself and think, what is your body craving? Because at some point it will probably tell you. Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) I love talking about yoga. We'll make sure to let listeners know about um, the yoga videos that you mentioned on YouTube. Um, But thanks so much, Melissa. Thank you, Davina. This has been a nice chat. That was Melissa White. Do check out the show notes for the Intermission YouTube channel if you're interested in learning more about the exercises mentioned in our chat. I loved chatting to Melissa, who spoke so passionately about yoga, and yoga is definitely something that has gotten me through some tough times in the past. What are your experiences of yoga and string playing? Do share your thoughts with me. I'd love to hear from you. You can email thestrad at thestrad.com or hit us up on social media. And don't forget to check out thestrad.com where you'll find the latest news, articles, and reviews on all things to do with string playing. And if you like what you see and hear, register and subscribe to access exclusive archival content from 2010 onward. There's 50% off an online subscription for students, and if you're not sure you're ready to subscribe, take out a free trial for seven days, start reading right away with no strings attached. And if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts right now, give us a little review or rating. It will help people discover this podcast. Or just tell your friends about this podcast. That would be greatly appreciated as well. So I've been sitting down for a very long time now. I'm going to get up and incorporate some motion into my day. Thanks for listening and tune again soon for another episode. Take good care. Bye.